This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. Hi, LSPod fans, it's JR here. Burt's Babes, Hoddle's Heroes, even Decanio's Dozens. We've had some iconic lineups in our history at Swindon, just like the legendary menu at McDonald's. Parkin' or Austin, sweet curry or barbecue? Why not get a McNugget share box to enjoy the debates with your mates? And thanks to book delivery, every drop-off can be a home win. Order now on the McDonald's app and you can also get rewards points too. No one wants to drop points at home, and with tasty rewards to earn, you won't be missing out. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus. Rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Rogers is streaking ahead and he's onside. Beautiful play! That is that! What a good shot! Post for Shearer, goal! McLaughlin has it, oh, deflection, and a goal! Goes to Mitchell, it's another goal! Incredible hobble! Swindon Town 2, Colchester United 2, Town surrender a two-goal lead to a team that's recent form is much, much worse than our own. So it goes without saying that Swindon couldn't possibly hold on. Here to bemoan, flap wildly and coming hot, it's JR. Hello, JR. Hello, Rich. Uh, I got some new um, all-weather vans yesterday from the outlet, so not an entirely wasted trip. Oh, that's nice. That's nice. Yes, we were passing ships in the night, as this was the first home game of the season in the league anyway that I've missed. But a rarer visit for yourself. I'm eager to learn of what the vibe was. I've watched the highlights. I've gone through our Florida-based villa to look at the highlights reel. I've done everything I can. I've taken notes. But I'm keen to learn. Are you are you ready for this? I'm, I'm as ready as I'll ever be, I guess. Mm, okay, well, we'll start with Doug Copestake, who wins our latest round of Summarise the Vibe in a tweet so we can joke about how long we talk for. He says, same old crap, bang average performance from two awful sides, just a carbon copy of the Forest Green Rovers game. So fed up, I have absolutely zero confidence that the transfers we do in January will fix this. Clem out, Flynn out, 
everyone out. There you go. And then we do the fade to the credits and all that malarkey. That sounds about right. Very nicely uh, put, Doug. Very concise. I think that you've uh, you've hit the nail on the head there. It was um, it was a really really strange thing to to see. And just to you know, we talk about what what you've missed there. Um, atmosphere wise, I mean, you could hear Colchester fans uh, quite loudly out there. I thought, oh, they brought they brought numbers. The the new manager appeal is uh, packed an away end out. And once I'd Got in. I was there literally just as as kickoff had started because I'm put my put my new shoes in the in the car and come back, uh, but not as many as I would have thought from hearing from the outside. They're very very up for it, and the contrast for uh, a crowd you're very familiar with in the old Don Rogers was flat. Flat as yesterday's sprite. <laughs> oh no, what a sad thought. And I guess that's that's interesting to me because when you go every week, you don't see that, well, you don't necessarily feel that slow decline in atmosphere and and positivity and and general vibe. You just kind of, it just kind of it just kind of happens. And when you do miss a few, or you do go once or twice or three or four times a season, the difference from when you're last here to when you're in again, it could be completely different. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it had a strange tone of, you know, the unrest only really seemed to come out towards the end. And uh, in the meantime, it was just kind of impotent, impotent rage you could feel coming off uh, off the backs of people's heads, just people sitting there and glaring. And you can't say that I was any different, really. Yeah. You know, reading around doesn't seem that people are, looking towards the corporate area of the Arkles, they're still very much just quiet, full of apathy, and um, probably voting with their feet because, as we'll discuss later, the attendance was down quite dramatically for this one. Yeah, people, I think, some people are staying away and voting with their feet, but you can see some pictures around the game that Mr. Morfuni is very much in attendance and all smiles, and apart from some tweets of people passing him like a ship in the night and having their head down and muttering something to themselves. I mean, that, that annoyance not translated to expressing that frustration anywhere, but, but in the, in the online realm. And maybe this is part of where it feels like a proper echo chamber. Cause that just doesn't seem to permeate in the, in the ground itself. Yeah, more of that a bit later on. So let's get cracking with a bit of squad talk. We'll start with the lineup and then move towards um, some bits and pieces. Michael Flynn said in his post-match interview, so there were, as we know, a few changes. We had Ward in goal, uh, Godwin Malife, Bruitt, Minton at the back, Hutton and Cocolo on the wings, Khan and Kinsella in the usual places, Kane just ahead, Austin and Shade up front. So we had Tom Bruitt returning, Williams Kokolo moving to the wings, Kane replacing Kemp and Shade went up top replacing Young, Brooklyn Genesini, Anton Dwarzak, Sonny Hart and Miles Abodo. And of course, Redmond Evans had the pitch side seats, uh, never really standing any chance of getting on. Before we go into the analysis of this, there's a few quotes um, from Michael Flynn after the game talking about the squad, saying it's been a frustrating week. Uh, there was a deal agreed with a player who would have started, but they got injured at his parent club. 
He's had clubs change their mind at the 11th minute or hour. You decide. It could be either. Next week, he's hoping we'll have three or four through the door. And that's when you get competition for places. Was going to make an inquiry on a striker, but they've played and scored this weekend. Uh, It's not the chairman's fault if players roll ankles. Uh, Dawson Devoy should have been done, but it wasn't Swindon Town's fault. He's got a chance to come here and show everyone what he can do in League Two. MK Dons have seen what we've done with Kemp and are extremely impressed. That latter point... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> JR. It didn't land very well with quite a few Swindon fans. The fact that, you know, we're catering for this playoff contending League Two side, making their assets more sellable, which is a bit of a shame. There's a few pieces there, but I believe you're not too happy with how light we were on the uh, the, the Kemp and Young Lovin' when we did the presser this week. <laughs> I was say, I think I needed more. Oh, it's it, the whole the whole affair just just speaks to an embarrassing situation quite frankly I mean we're always going to have this revisionist history about Young same as we have about Owen Doyle about how uh, it's fine to borrow off you know a a side like Bradford because we're kind of equivalents and um, you know they've come good when they've come here and we've had their cast-offs before both of them I think have the perception of being just bodies I mean, Owen Doyle was late, late, late into the window and very much the vibe as I remember it, and perhaps you might remember this too, is that there are a few warm nods and, well, if they're not using him, he's got experience, he'll be useful. There was no expectation that he would have the season that he had and we knew that Young was not fancied at all by Hughes and bombed out. This this Devoy loan... I mean, first of all, we talked a bit off mic, but you you used to work in the in the cutting edge of music retail, right? I did, yes, H and V, Durham. So when you get surprise launches like In Rainbows back in the day, and it's a surprise to the fan base that the album is coming out the day after or whatever, you don't have calls from uh, Radiohead management or all those people saying that you know we're hoping that the CDs will finish getting burnt and we're. We're planning to start distributing them on Sunday night, so they should be with you on Monday morning. No, people plan for these sorts of launches and things ahead when all of the stock is ready. So why we're doing the big syrupy video and the build-up for a player that isn't going to go into the squad on the Friday just to keep people quiet? I mean, I'm I'm not I'm not pouring scorn on a player I haven't seen yet. I know that there's there's facets to his to his play and they paid a good whack for him that should that should come good but to me it just it just it reeks of a a make good that you know our offer for for Kemp was not sufficient of what they're looking for and then it's just been a well have you got anybody else i mean this these videos of having people um watching through their highlights together and passing comment when they're going back. These are people in the same division of us, and it's poor, poor business to be relying on loans uh, to fill out your squad. They're two of the best players that we've had this season. Both could have got them for next to nothing. Definitely young, because at the start of the season, Mark Hughes was in charge, and he was absolutely bombed out. He was never going to get a game under him. And probably at the start of the season, Bradford were thinking that Hughes was the man. 
Kemp, yes, he had his good season previously, and yes, he's a useful asset to have, but I thought them watching videos and that we should be grateful and that we should say thank you. We should say thank you to, you know, to our own board and to our own manager for not having the foresight to bother to put a decent <laughs> deal together. Uh... Because when we wind back two and a half years ago, Richard, I know that this this speaks to, you know, who we have in charge of up there. We've got people like uh, Kane Kessler Hayden and Louis Barry coming on, and these are people that you know the wider Villa fan base have heard of, and your Villa supporting friends and messaging you and asking how they're coming on. These are players you know in Premier League academies. Even last year, we're signing you know Kane and Clayton on permanence from Liverpool Academy. And now we should be grateful for having League Two loans. And not only should we be grateful, we go back to that, back to that wishing well, to uh, to keep the fans quiet that we're doing good business. But it's okay because Milton Keynes Dons, who aren't the Milton Keynes Dons that were in the Championship, they're the Milton Keynes Dons that we're supposed to be competing with, are very happy with us. That might come in handy if we drop in a different division, won't it? Well, that was that was quite a soapbox, and I'm sure people enjoyed it thoroughly. I think. From the Voy situation and a couple of the other quotes, I was going to make a call, but they've played today and they've scored. The thing that that makes me go, oh, it just feels like not necessarily they're winging it, but if if somebody that you're interested in rolls their ankle, then you go down to the next one on your list because you've got a list, right? You've got 10, 15 players that you've identified that could be a potential permanent signing or a loan signing. So matey boy rolls his ankle in training. Matey boy doesn't want to go down to Swindon anymore, whatever. Club changes their mind. Then you just move to target two, don't you? All of those quotes sound like we've not won this weekend. So here's some nuggets. And that's what last week was, because you and I are both lucky enough to listen to press conferences. And we hear whether it makes it on the BBC. And Michael Flynn doesn't want to talk about how many he might have through the door. He made it quite clear in a press conference that he doesn't want to jinx it and and so forth. We play Crawley and straight away he's like three to four this week. It's like he probably hated himself for saying it, but it deflects um, the situation. And we could, and eventually we will sign three to four players. They may not all come at the same time, but they will. They have to. But it, it's just the, it just all sounds like we are winging it at the moment. It doesn't feel methodical. It doesn't feel planned. I know they keep on saying, me and Jamie, Jamie and I have been working hard for the last two months. It should be longer than two months, should it not? It should have been ever since... August, or was the Australian project the priority for Jamie after two months? I don't know. It it just feels like, for me, a successful football club doesn't have a a target, lose it, and then they're scrambling or contacting League One clubs or phoning around. They just move on to the next one they've identified, which, of course, they might do, but he just doesn't articulate it very well. I'm not sure he can articulate it, because it's all very well talking about Michael Flynn and Jamie Russell, but we're forgetting about a third wheel in all of this that our chairman is personally overseeing things and has come over especially to grace us with his presence to do so. So you can have one or two, three, you can have 15. If you're saying this is what they cost and this is what they want and you're just getting, no, 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 mate, can't do that, I'm afraid, then it's just not going to happen, is it? No. And, and it- the problem with, the problem is, sorry, excuse me, the problem is with, with Flynn is that he will back and defend that position of you know what support he's got he keeps it very guarded which i'm sure um chairman and ceo very pleased with but we can go into it now 
he had Andrew Hawes making him dance on the head of a pin, especially when he's saying things about how it's not our fault that a player's not registered in time. Well, whose responsibility is it to register players? Yes, I mean, that one, I was trying to map out the process, but again, I know people go, you know, oh, look at these experts in how the football industry runs, and I can't proclaim to be an expert, but having listened to the presser, it sounded like somebody was coming in in the afternoon for a medical. Surely you don't sign before a medical, so therefore you've missed the deadline to play on a Friday. Well, to, you've missed the Friday deadline to, in order to play on a Saturday. So then the sensible thing for communications, for my aspect would be, is that if you can't have a medical before Friday, you save your announcement for next week when they can actually play rather than doing a hype video. And then when the team lineup comes up, everyone goes, where's this guy? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I do think it's being forgotten that, again, Flynn has to have, he's got to have the the strength to believe that the players he brings in are going to be good. But there is this assumption right now that these three or four players are going to be superb and going to fix everything and we're going to rise up the table. Well, we had two very good players. We have three very good loanies who have just left and yet here we still are in the mud. Yeah, it's not it's it's not likely. Yes, it's likely that three or four will come in, but we've said for a while that we need bodies, whatever Flynn's angle on it of like we need the right people. Well, was Kokolo the right person? Was he just someone who played in that position and was available and for whatever reasons was not? Not exactly having people banging down the door to uh to sign him up. Getting loans from, you know, the same the same well. Are we gonna get someone else from Brant- Bradford that they're not choosing to play and developing other League Two squad members? Where's where's where is the trust that Flynn has from other clubs in places like Championship or the lower end of the Premier League that he'll develop players do we get much interest from the likes of bristol city or swansea appreciate swansea's alleged help in getting reese divide scanned a few times after they've put him out in a behind closed doors friendly but it does speak to ghana seem to have those contract contacts from that reputation of you know being a good uh youth coach and assistant he had a, like, a reputation in the in the game that you know, if you went there, that you would learn something and that you would develop. And it's alarming that we're only being able to get people from in-house. We got Mahoney in, but from what I can deduce, only because the you know the digital footprint is there that he was interested with him in him when he was at Warsaw. That's the only person that I could fairly point out and say that that's that's Flynn's work. What happened to the Flynn who saw something in? A Scott Twine. Where's his Scott Twine that he's found? Who knows? Yeah. As I've said before, I'm, I'm pacing myself in terms of squad building. We simply cannot write it off until we've seen what what they bring in, or you know, even then you've got to see them play. But it just feels like, and we'll talk about the post match analysis. It, it does feel a little bit. Please don't shout at me now. We have players on the way, I promise. But let's talk about this game. Uh, Jeremy Randall says, a very tough game to watch. Two poor sides, low on quality and in poor form, with players trying to avoid mistakes rather than doing anything positive. We were fortunate to lead at the break and offered nothing in attack second half. Once again, defensive errors cost us two goals. So are we ready then, Joe? First half, what was it like watching this 2024 Swindon Town? Uh, plodding and slow 
I think that uh, I think that the two messages we've written out so far kind of describes it it quite well. Um, I mean, it, it it seemed to take so long to actually actually build into a kind of professional game, and uh, when I first came in, you know, managed to win a corner, and then just absorbing pressure for at least the first ten minutes of Colchester trying to work forward, uh, maybe losing the ball, surges forward from Goblin Malife, who managed to get a few of those, and um, that's what's led to that led to that opening. That was only really the three minutes before uh, taking the lead where things started to uh, pick up, mostly through Goblin Malife managing to create that space, but of course he's, he's giving his own, own gaps at the back from doing that. Um, not really a lot of back and forth running into nothing until he's making that breakthrough. You've got shade just behind from him. Um, and then he gets brought down by Noah Chilvers and that leads to the, um, the, probably the first big chance when there's the free kick where Hutton is managing to clip it and he finds shade at a really tight angle. It almost looks like that must be something off the, training ground, which doesn't seem like something we've utilised much at all. A lot of them just seem improvised in any set pieces that I've seen of Swindon this year, but it manages to catch him quite neatly, but it's almost just a little bit too tight to force it. I almost think he did quite well to get the shot off anyway and put it out for the corner. But uh... The fact that the Colchester defender does dangles his leg and can get to it does help, but yeah, Swindon... I think Mike, Michael Flynn Swindon is is much more training groundy when it comes to attempted set pieces. Most of them not going too well. I think it's the position in which this free kick is taken is why we haven't seen it much so far. Yeah, I think that's fair to say. But uh, yeah, it worked almost worked quite quite neatly. Um, and then from the <clears throat> uh, from that attempt, you're getting the subsequent corner. I think it's here that uh, Godin Malife is pulled down uh, by. Miranda, he kind of almost collapses on top of him. And uh, Swindon penalty, 17 minutes in. This is the best start we could <laughs> hope for, right? Oh, absolutely. And, I mean, in terms of the penalty, if, if this was the other way around, we'd be spending five to ten minutes on it, it would feel like, anyway. It, it's very, very soft. It's not as soft as the penalty we conceded against Forest Green Rovers in the dying moments, which Ward luckily saved the day on because imagine if that goal went in and where we would be right now in terms of mood but it's a very soft one but frankly at this stage of the season where we are in the league we need everything we can get yeah exactly it's a bit of luck going our way for the change and it's it's the kind of situation where you see Charlie Austin you see that he's putting the ball on the spot and he's going to have it and you you've got a a relative confidence that you know, he knows what to do in that position and thus it was proven right. Good finish and you just think, just need to keep it nice and calm for a bit. But it wasn't, it wasn't after that. It was almost within two or three minutes of taking the lead. You just think, let's just get, let's just get control. Let's just maintain possession. Let's just create things. Nearly managed to give it away straight away when going, getting uh, closer. I think it's, it's pinging around in, in their um, or in our defended penalty area, and uh, 
Hopper has managed to nod it to uh, Jay. He's managed to just clip it over the bar, and you think you're already inviting that pressure back on. Um, and a minute later, uh, having a cross with Noah Chilvers finding way, way, way too much space. Um, crosses in meets Fevrier, decent enough save from Ward. Um, but in the build-up to that, I mean, there was, there was a good... Uh, I don't think it is in this bit. I'm trying to think it was a, a bit with uh, Tom Brewitt. I can't remember. It might have been in this stage where he has forced the pressure. Brewitt loses the ball uh, from a short goal kick. Uh, the early chaos is rectified by a last gasp tackle by Brewitt. Just as Matt Jay is about to pull the trigger, Matt Jay seemed very busy in the first half. With if, if it may be his, his, he's got a family member that does the highlights reel, but he was he was very very busy. Uh, Colchester then retained the ball, and the subsequent cross finds the head of Tom Hopper, but Lewis Ward saves that well. Town eventually clear their lines, but all of this, every single moment of it, is completely preventable, and we've conceded goals from this. It just typifies Swindon defensively this season. All of it. Um, the official Swindon Town Twitter slash X feed described this incident as great recovery work. Um, but the whole thing is a grim watch. Yeah, I feel like this is this is maybe where a lot of uh, Brewer's detractors come from because there's been some great uh, a great last ditch tackle um, and some good clearing of the lines in the uh, the ping ponging of it afterwards. But that all seems to be actually created by him in the first place. It makes you always wonder, you know, in last year when they had those rumours of Crawley having, oh, you get a bonus for uh, a header or <laughs> some nonsense like that. If he was getting a bonus for last-ditch chances he could create himself. It, it, that does seem unfair to, to dig him out, but it's hard to, you know, erupt in applause for somebody making a last-ditch tackle to to undo his own mistake. When you're not at the game, you're watching the highlights because it's after the fact. You know what the final score is. I don't feel the possibly the anger that I feel when I see those errors happen. And and Jr. It's week in, week out. You know he has good games, but these moments still happen. That's as far as I'm going to talk about it because I was listening to him on the um, on the Kitman pod, and he sounds like such a lovely chap, and he appreciates every single bit of praise he gets and how much, especially the town end love Tom Brewitt. But then he went on to say something on the lines of, you know, I'm not going to be the best player on the pitch, but I'm going to try. And again, emblematic of Swindon Town of the last couple of years, you know, we've got triers. They also know they're not going to be the best players on the pitch. You know, nothing came of it. So we move on. Yeah, I think that's, I think that's fair to say. And like you say, there'll be, there'll be sufficient praise enough for his uh, attacking ability um, shortly. I mean, it, it, it pinged in spells, and I feel like Colchester, they had like a, you're saying about Jay being quite busy, and a lot of them felt busy, but there was, uh, I'm not I'm not a, a huge advocate of the new manager bounce, but there was like a nervous energy. People obviously feeling, you know, in a window that they've got points to prove, because I think the appointment of the Cowleys at Colchester indicates to me what I think I've said at the start of the window, that the teams below us are not going to stand still. Um, so think of Forest Green obviously got money and Dale Vince has made that club identity a big part of his brand, increased his profile through that. Colchester have been a bit scattershot in terms of 
know how they run operations, but they're not going down likely. Uh, Newport have had a takeover that's uh, gone through, and that you know expected that Hugh Jenkins will get the checkbook out. People aren't going to just accept staring relegation of this league in the face and not going to go blindly. So when we're talking about being competitive with people, realistic thing is when we're looking for you know the three or four people who you know we hope are going to make it better. It's going to be clubs like Colchester that we've seen yesterday who we're going to be competing for bids with and we might be outbid by. Mm, yes, well, during the first half, I was at a family meal celebrating the birthday of my father-in-law uh, and I was only able to occasionally sneak an odd update here and there. And then I see my, my phone go a little bit crazy because in the 43rd minute, Colchester struggled to deal with a Romeo Hutton long throw into the box. The initial clearance sees it looped back in. Zach Mitchell should be stronger, but Charlie Austin seems to scare the bejeebus out of him and it, the ball falls to Tom Brewitt, who lifts the ball into the roof of the net. 2-0, game over, am I right? So the reason my phone lit up was not because, well, I think it was 10% your mate scored, which is fine because I want him to score. Um, I want him to be good. I want him to be better. I want him to be part of a good Swindon Town team. But the majority of the people, JR, the majority of people remembered my prediction that Austin would get a hat trick and Tom Brewitt would score. I didn't, you know, I said a bullet header and this was not a bullet header. But it's a lovely moment for Brewitt because I, I do not question the guy is a trier. And for him to score, to make it 2-0, which should be the end, a winning goal in front of the town end, is exactly what almost everyone's wanted to see this season. Yeah, absolutely. I was thinking exactly about your prediction on the presser. You know, a couple more from Austin. You just think that, you know, the hard work of getting the two gold leads is not there. Okay, yes, we're down to the bare bones squad-wise, but surely in this thing, just thinking, just calm it down. I mean, there was a couple of chances either way. I there's a, I'm not quite sure what Shade was thinking. Free kick in the uh, in the build-up before that, where he hit it low, but high enough where if everyone stood still it would have hit them and if they jumped it would have hit their feet as well it was not quite low enough um but yeah it was it was getting quite scrappy i think hutton was looking for austin he's managed to uh flick it on to brew it it must have only been a yard or two out and he's managed to get it over the line and roof it into there and that's that's all you need then he's more than more than happy to take the Plaudits is a tidy finish. We see lots of those chances go awry. Great. Look, we can go into the break. Two goals to the good. Regroup in the dressing room. But uh... Alas, do you think if we're playing Matty Etherington or Ben Garner, Colchester side, then we go on to win this comfortably? Heads drop. But for this game, we do have the Cowley brothers in. Do you think that makes a difference? I'm not so sure. I'm not so sure it does because when... I had a look afterwards when you were recapping uh, Matty Everton's brief, brief tenure uh, at Colchester seems to be a a kind of recurring theme for him around this time of year to just have a a brief tenure. But those were, those were, that was a difficult fixture run. And it was, you know, we've gone longer without wins than, you know, than he had in that run. But obviously, Mr. Chairman had seen enough and uh, gave him his marching orders. So I, it did sound almost a little 
a little harsh, but I've, but I don't know if there was conversations that made uh, you know this this deal this get more feasible that made him think that Effington wasn't worth bothering with. But you know the players haven't changed uh, from that squad. They look like a team who want to play for each other. If you if you could invite back your your friend from the Wrexham game with the um, Cheltenham Town screensaver or whatever, and he wasn't that familiar with League Two, and you were saying one of these teams are down at the bottom and the other is, well, what was it, five points away from the playoffs, I don't think it would have been easy to pick the two of them out there. So I don't know if there's a, a new manager. So there's a new energy to things because you could see that the Colchester fans are in good voice, um, plenty of people making the journey, even going to the effort of there's a lot of the yellow away kit in the stands people wanted to represent and you know show the the new management they're playing their part but I don't think there could be much into that and I don't think it's a foregone conclusion that Everington's or Garner's Colchester uh, would have been soundly beaten because well it didn't happen at their place and I don't think it ever does does it oh it was a prime moment to say it's Swindon Town so what you're saying that this this game was two teams sitting in the Vanarama waiting room waiting for their number to be called this was vintage Vanarama I would have liked to have said vintage Vanarama but you know this morning I've been watching of course uh, FA Cup third round highlights if we all remember that and you're watching Maidstone and Eastleigh and the like and you know the efforts that they're putting against teams one or two leagues above them uh is night and day compared to what i saw yesterday i think that's that's a that's insult to uh vanarama's north and south as well oh dear okay 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 uh, we are talking on sunday the 7th which is the anniversary of town beating wigan in 20 20- 12 and then it is also the two-year anniversary of a town playing Manchester City in a round that isn't the first round of the FA Cup and possibly more impressive no it's not more impressive we beat Leeds United on this day in 1922 in the FA Cup and they were we were Divi 3 South and they were the second division and not too bad so to talk about a mid mid-table lower end of League 2 game on a day like this is is bittersweet yeah, yeah, and had this had this half ended a little a little neater, perhaps of course, because once again, yes, if we'll clue in people who haven't seen it, they took a short corner, yeah, and Noah Chilvers again, he's given far too much space to dink it around a little, and the amount of time he has to take those two touches before crossing is unforgivable. Yes, absolutely, nobody near him, and it seems to float. If it was, if there was a touch on it, because there's the two of them, got there's Jay and another one, but it's the it's literally like a brush of the hair, and it's just found its way into uh, into the corner. Sometimes those sorts of things can happen, and all right, you shouldn't be able to give, give someone that much space. We've we've established that much, um, but you know, conceding a goal before half time is frustrating enough. But the body language, Rich, the body language, everybody looking at the floor, no one looking at each other. And credit to uh, Kinsella, who seems to actually give everybody a, a good old rollicking and trying to pick people up. But it's it's a lone voice out there. He's not getting much. Everyone is just looking the other way. Not my fault, Governor. 
I might I might want Kinsella closing down a bit quicker too, but it, it's just yeah that the, the speed in which Colchester want to get things moving versus what we think Colchester are going to do because they've lost now they're two 0 their heads are dropped we'll just take our time and set ourselves up and I say unforgivable a lot and it does feel a little bit hyperbolic when I say it but it's it's basics it's absolute basics it's not you know we do get occasional people send message going oh you're experts at football are you all that experience as as coaches I don't need experience as a professional to know that as soon as a corner is taken you close it down when it's short anyway yeah oh dear anyway well it's too I mean is, is that the turning point really of the game does that change everything that goal seems like it I can only assume that Fraser Blake Tracy wasn't on hand to give out some home truths in the dressing room as if that's uh particularly needed or worthwhile but uh that seemed to be a a turning point because are you going in at 2-0 and the the vibe of the, but there was the the usual enthusiasm of uh it's might sound a ridiculous thing to say. You see people getting up to go and get their footlong sausage roll and talking excitedly about, oh, that was better than I thought it would be, was not there. It was not there. It was almost as if the as if everyone had resigned themselves to the inevitable that we were going to do a Swindon. It's it's sad to have a have a lead, even if it's been cut shorter than you want at half time and just know excitement and no enthusiasm and very little movement uh, up and down the gantries of people wanting to grab a quick beer or anything like that. People just sat statue still for the whole 15 minutes and no uh, no young people to uh, give us a little um, you know, a little game or anything like that. No entertainment. No... There was no on the pitch entertainment. Nothing. No. Oh, shame. Shame. So just literally watching. Um, it's cold though, isn't it? Watch some lovely tricks of Redman Evans doing some ball juggling and uh, people people forking some divots on county ground, which, you know, in the current weather looks a bit like playing on the moon. It looks pretty awful. And, uh, and nothing. No, yeah, no community football. It was uh, a dour thing. Maybe with the the rainfall, perhaps that might have been considered not a good idea in the, the state of things. I don't think I could dig out a uh, groundsman for the the level of rainfall we've had in the past week, up and down everywhere, and the state of some pitches. But it's just surprising that there was no uh, yeah. Let's 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 top up and get food and get settled down for. The second half, we might get a win out of this. Just nothing. The sausage roll. I, I bought the sausage roll for my daughter a couple of weeks ago. And I think it sat in our fridge for about a week afterwards, <laughs> um, unfinished. It, it's made it on to the popular uh, Twitter slash X account, Footy Scran. And if, if Swindon need a, a, a win at the moment that isn't on the pitch it's um it's had 11,265 votes for the £3.60 foot long sausage roll and I will tell you now 90% have declared it scran to the 10% that has said no scran a huge win for Swindon Town here I don't know how it could be no scran it's the foot long sausage roll it is probably the best business and the only commercial acumen we seem to have had this year of getting this thing out there so yeah all credit to it but surprisingly they weren't flying off the uh 
off the shelves. Maybe, maybe they're so popular that people had them all at the start that there's no room for anything else at halftime. Let, let's have some, not listeners, let's have some the people from the world declare their opinions on this sausage roll. Stefan says, any food item that's a foot long is scran. Um, <laughs> um, Gary says they'll make a film of this and it will star Scrantonio Scrandires. Yeah, nice. okay, very good. <laughs> Just a simple textbook from G Funk Deluxe. Jay says Scran if you don't suffer indigestion. Lovely stuff from the football community for Swindon Town. Hello, everybody. Summer is here, and when there's no Swindon Town, I do enjoy using my favourite streaming services to watch, you know, the same old comedies I've watched a billion times before. But hey, I love it, okay? So don't judge. Alas, being away overseas on holiday in the chateau means I have to go without some of those shows until I've returned home. But no more. NordVPN allows you to watch sporting events, TV shows and films which aren't available in your region by switching your virtual location with one click to a country which is showing the content. NordVPN acts as your cyber bodyguard whilst online, protecting your personal data and sensitive info like card details and passwords from falling into the wrong hands. NordVPN is the price of a cup of coffee per month and one NordVPN account can be used across six devices. To get the best discount off your NordVPN plan, go to nordvpn.com forward slash lowstrangers. There's no risk with Nord's 30-day money-back guarantee and the link is in the podcast episode description box. Enjoy your summer. Hi, Ellis Pod fans, it's JR here. Enthusiastic contributor and former Swindon McDonald's employee. Farewell, Outlook Village. One time I got to serve the then Swindon manager, Roy Evans. Yes, I know what you're wondering. Big Mac with medium fries. And admittedly, why Roy may have regretted some choices at SM1, well, you can't go wrong with the classics. And you can't go wrong with McDelivery, where instead of you getting in a time machine and coming to me, your favourites can come to you. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus. Serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Sam Mendoza says, never been so bored in my life. We let a poor team bully us for the entire second half. Now, when you look around the highlights and then there's not that much for the second, never bodes well. No, no. My my highlight, I think this might have actually been towards the end of the um the second half. I don't know if you managed to catch this, but it was a bit of um uh a bit of a quite soft shoving match with um Hutton and Lyandolo made me just think, what's Ooh. gone on there? What's the tea there? Oh, to be a fly on the wall and to hear some of that. And um How was Ellis? Uh he he's he, for somebody who's our longest serving player of recent memory um got a very uh, lukewarm reception and uh still got some grief of the old she fell over and town and trying to give him a bit of a wind up he looked he looked hungry in this uh, this second half and you you had that feeling that he would be the person who would uh would put us to the sword but yeah i don't think there's loads to really <laughs> really dive into this because and that's fine and that's fine because you know we we know what the major talking point was i mean from everyone that i mean i've read a lot of 
listeners' contributions over the last 12 hours or so, and nobody talks of the second half in in very in a very fond way. Kinsella saved one on on the line early in the in the second half off the line I should say and it just looked like manageable half chances by Colchester after that and we were coping but and I've got one eye on our runtime at the moment here. Shall we fast forward straight to injury time? Um yes, the only thing I really got to talk about for the uh second half is that you know Backs were against it, and if I'm thinking back to, um, we did the return of Aguiar as well. So he's back on made his uh, debut about 67 minutes in. I think in the post match, um, he was saying, "Well, re reintroduction, Thank shall you. we say? Thank you. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> the Renaissance Aguiar debut. <laughs> um, I'd, I'd thought at the time that Kane was." playing reasonably well but I think in the post match that Flynn said that he wasn't wasn't quite fit and had an alarming uh, <laughs> real call of people who weren't quite ready but I remember a few weeks back about him talking about that we need to do uh, you know ways to win ugly and you know just hit it out the issue was that having been against it for the start of the second half we decided to play that way um, the way that you do to try and see out a game from about the seventieth minute, yeah. So, so that notion of it was coming, whether it was in the seventieth minute or the ninety fourth, it doesn't really matter because the way Swindon were playing meant that it was inevitable, regardless. That is my feeling on it, and yes, if we can go straight into uh, injury time and when it does happen, my perspective as somebody who was there at the game. And I'm looking at various things like um, I've seen Joe's ratings that subscribers will be able to see on the advert and giving Ward a two. And there's Ooh. been not not inescapable. I'm not I'm not I'm not here to uh, you know to make excuses uh, for Ward and um, you know what he's done in that last minute of injury time. But I feel like it was inevitable and that pressure was invited all the way throughout um i just think that clip in isolation because of course that scramble is so bad um for those who aren't saying that the uh godwin Malife has taken it out for a corner and then everybody is kind of crowding around the six yard box it gets really packed in there's not a lot of leadership or command Ward comes out and swipes at the ball like King Kong did to a plane and doesn't get there Whiff. at all. And then it is, yeah, it's a, a proper whiffle ball. And then it's gone in. Yeah, again, it's you're in the ground. You're watching from the Don Rogers. You you get the sense of that, what it was like at the time. I think we ha- we have to discuss about why was it a corner in the first place? How did that happen? It's a long, successful textbook goal kick by Lewis Ward. The ball is somewhere between Godwin Malife and Romeo Hutton. Yet, despite that, Edwards managed to retrieve the ball and and bomb down towards the goal. He's never going to make it. Uh, Godwin Malife, who's just been given man of the match, does a slide and tackle to give it away. And, I mean, some of the first comments that I received when I asked for contributions was 
the 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 reaction Godwin Malife did when he gave away and much similar like we've given Tom Brewett stick you know you've made a mistake and then he gets all the plaudits for for making up for it Godwin Malife is pretty much responsible for this goal in many ways and the fact that he gave it the big I am before the game ended yeah exactly and keepers are going to make clangers is what I'm saying I mean Edwards is fast for some reason um I can't quite because he he came on um, a little later, and while he was warming up uh, before halftime, he's finished kind of in that corner between the um, Stratton Bank and the Arkles, and he's pelted it to the tunnel and down the tunnel, literally as fast as his legs could take him. For some reason, I just cannot understand just an absolute burst of energy. You know, that same speed, uh, Barry held the Swindon goal. You'd think that you're going to still try to put him off to end up take it too far because I don't know if he'd have the momentum to pick it up and turn. I just think that 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 clip is so damning in isolation. It gives gives a narrative to people who have experienced the game in in uh in clip form that uh ward through what should have been a comfortable win. But I think it was anything but and it felt incredibly inevitable to me. And judging from the feedback they've had don't think I'm alone in that. No, I don't think you are. But at the same time, Ward's got to be stronger. The people that he's worried about clashing into are Swindon players. Bash into them. Get that ball gone. Get it caught. Get it Get it away. Don't whiff it. You know, it's, it, it is not half-hearted. He's gone for it, but he's just got a command. Or just not try and punch it and wait for the... Anticipate what happens next. The, the highlights footage is very hard to see what happens, but there's some good fan footage from the town end, which shows Connor Wilkinson's back heel because Colchester have been running on who scored. Well, this one, this angle pretty much makes it definitive and it's Bradley Yvonne Vienne. He knows nothing about it. It sort of squirms past Ward. It's 2-2. And the reaction to this goal it was probably the angriest reaction and the emphasis from the fan base from those sending me messages is like, this was not an acceptable performance, even if we won the game. And now the fact that we've drawn it with almost the last kick of the game is just made people angry as hell. Yeah, it was, it was toxic at the end. There was a huge mass exodus. And you know that in places like Don Rogers, people tend to bunch up on the stairs to, clap along with Tom Brewitt or whatever. There was not a huge amount of that. People were clearing the way as soon as that goal went in. A few people, I think, had even given up before before that of just... Oh, yeah, people walking down the steps. Yeah, it's 94th minute. People start going earlier than that. And, and also, like, why it's not solely Ward's fault and why he's just a, a contributor to the farce is we have three players on the near post marking literally nobody. Yeah, literally yeah nobody. exactly. There's... there's, there's there's a lot of more accountability than uh, the ward in that. And, you know, people are fickle enough that if that goes wider, if someone doesn't get a back heel on that, you're getting uh, replies in your feedback saying ward man of the match for that one save he made in the first half. Yeah, yeah. Okay, well, man of the match went to... Well, the sponsor's man of the match went to Godwin Malife, which surprised a lot of people. He didn't get a single shout-out from the listeners. There were some shout-outs for Tom Brewitt. There were some shout-outs for Williams Cocolo. But Liam Kinsella won it comfortably. Who wins the pods man of the match? I would have said I would have said Kinsella for showing, you know, that that 
leadership and managing to tidy up for the back three. Um, I feel like, in a way, I, this might have been close run for Joe. I feel like there should be an honourable mention for Shade in terms of that. I think he's been asked to operate outside what's been, you know, his more comfortable position. I found it almost frustrating in a way that, you know, he didn't retain his position where Kokolo was and that, you know, might just have uh, Austin alone. It was an opportunity that we could have had a uh, a bigger midfield than we could have just let Austin do Austin things and sit around high up top and hope to get a cross to him. Perhaps maybe something that made the attacks impotent is that he's still holding back because he's got a, a partner to go with. I don't think... Um, he had an amazing performance up front, but he was he was filling in and he's done decent at left wing back. And uh, I don't think that Flynn can be giving the old look in the mirror routine that he seems to like to do for him because that wouldn't be fair. But yeah, I would say Kinsella as well. Yeah, Shade, I do apologise. Shade did get a couple of shout outs as well um, on, on the basis of his performance. Post-match then, Michael Finn said, poor goals to concede from set pieces, individual errors. Andrew Hall's pushed this. How do we have a different conversation? And then he sort of deflected by saying other bits and pieces that weren't really relevant to that question. Two points dropped. That's 13 points dropped now. I have to work that out myself. Um, They've worked so hard for each other today, which was the only way we were going to get something out of the game. A sensational thing to say, considering the season Colchester are having. Uh, we lacked quality on and off the ball. Halftime, they told them don't drop deep. So they dropped deep. Um, again, that sounds like team a, a, a team of players not responding to their manager. Lacked quality in decision-making. Thought we were quite good in the first half. Not as good as earlier in the season, but still. Um, they were dead and gone at 2-0. We're not playing how fans or I want to see them play. Um, Bruitt is anxious to go too far forward because of his fitness. Khan and Kane are struggling or not match fit. Aguilar needs time to get used to the pace of League Two. It's so frustrating that we're not at the levels of not just fitness, but health. Andrew Horsen asked Flynn uh, about being let down by the powers that be, but Michael Flynn was never going to sling mud on that, was he, JR? No, this was the interesting one, because I don't think... If I've got my sensible hat on, because Andrew reeled off the litany of, um, you know, of, of amateurs or or first-timers uh, upstairs in the boardroom, that's, you know, that's not too poor scorn on people. It's not a crime if you've not had previous experience, but shows when there's not somebody who's actually there to guide and support. There's just a complete absence of leadership or direction but the issue that uh, Flynn invites onto himself is that you know we can say that you know obviously promises were made that haven't been kept that anybody could look objectively and say you know he hasn't been supported he can have all the targets that he wants and doubt any of them will come through because we're seeing the kind of caliber of people that we're we're aiming for um we're told at the beginning of the season by Cousin Jack from 1912 Exiles, he was very clear to say, you know, Flynn will drive players hard in training and you'll see people pull up. So with a thin squad, that's that's no good. Um, but I can't understand for it. I mean, he's you can make those arguments objectively, but when people are saying that 
Flynn should take responsibility. He's the person who puts the team together. He's the person who, you know, plays the same way every week and doesn't change anything. Well, he's you. There might be mitigating circumstances to that, but he is very quick to say that the buck stops with him. So he invites all of the criticism onto himself when he deflects. And I don't think you have to deflect to say, "Oh, Mulvaney hasn't backed me" or something like that. You don't have to mudsling, but you don't necessarily have to carry the can and take all the things uh, onto yourself. I don't understand the development strategy at all. You've had Ward dropping a clanger there. Maybe we'll get like another goalkeeper in, but why are we letting Conor Brand commit to Supermarine rather than doing what other clubs have done to us and what other clubs are doing everywhere else where we're recalling people? Yes, we've recalled Aguiar, but I think there'd be reasonable consideration to be recalling people like Adloy and Bran, if nothing more than to have a look and to strengthen your negotiating power that you're not that desperate because you have X, Y, and Z, because you can always move them back at the end of the month. It makes your negotiating arm weaker, and I don't know why a squad that's as thin as ours would do it uh, in such a way. And we're getting to the point now, I think this happened last season we'll touch a little bit on it now if that's okay where we're starting to get the rumor mill swearing about players being homesick or players being too virtuous and principled to play with other people um and when we discuss this in the whatsapp chats people have be very quick to do the maths and see how many appearances people are on and it feels like consent manufacturing it feels like people are being done down or you know the uh the leaky upstairs is coming out to justify why some people might go for next to nothing that we would have thought were prospects and that's that's a worrying sign as well yeah i think timelines provided by flynn in in press conferences don't help the rumor mill um you know we've we've anyone that's online has seen bits about Hepburn Murphy. It could be that, you know, the injury prone player we signed might be injured. But also when you see that him and Clayton, who were both signed by Sandro Di Michele, are both on 39 senior appearances and have had mysterious injuries that have rolled on um, after deadlines have come and gone. I mean, Clayton's latest one sounds like a, it sounds like a, Swindon career ender, but Hepper Murphy is taken to social media saying that he's going to be back on the pitch sooner rather than later. So it would be good to have those sort of conspiracy theories dismissed. And it's just small injuries that just go on forever. Uh, Bromers One says, if I'm honest, Flynn sounded a little desperate in his post-match interview, like a school kid who's not done their homework and is running out of excuses. I'm sure he's working hard, but it's simply not good enough. Uh, this is poor planning, leadership and all are accountable. Simply Chalky says the team always seems like a bunch of strangers on the pitch. Every set piece is like it's never been practiced. Season seems over. Town won't go down and won't move up the table. We can't afford another contract payout after Morris. And in terms of his post-match, again, we both listened to the press conferences. And one thing that's been very noticeable in recent weeks is Michael Flynn is way more politer to the Swindon Town press beat. I'm not going to say obnoxious. But he does flirt with like talking down on Andrew and Joe. They may disagree. That's my opinion listening to it. Yeah, and, and, and he answers the questions, he does his thing, but he has this sort of he's he has this demeanor 
And that has changed completely recently where it's good question. It's, it's, yep, 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 yep. Brilliant. He, he needs friends at this moment in time. And it's, it's, it's easy to see why, because since that nine game unbeaten streak ended where we won five and, and drew the other four, those four games we, we could or should have won. We've played 18 games. Four of them have been victories. Two of them were narrow wins that included the opposition having penalties saved. We've drawn three. We've lost 11. We've kept one clean sheet. And that was way back on October 14th. 14 of our 23 goals have been scored by two players that no longer play for the club. 38 goals have been conceded in League Two, averaging two goals per game conceded. Oh, and we've lost 7-4 to an upper mid-table National League side who averaged below two goals a game in non-league. And I kind of see what Simply Chalky is saying, because I'm not necessarily Flynn out, because I have zero faith in what happens next, principally because of the new contract that he signed. And also, we have faffed relentlessly in managerial recruitment under Clem Morfuni with his recruitment policy. However, even with these circumstances he's faced... Everyone knew the squad lacked depth even before the injury started to roll in. And it's it's kind of the question is, how has anyone survived this long? But it's also, has there been many cases of it turning around when when these sort of runs happen? Can Flynn turn it around? Because it just feels so damning right now. Yeah, I think I think absolutely. I mean that that question about, you know, whether he's been left down by by that board level and by that lack of inexperience. It's a powerful point, and it felt like Flynn was just painting himself into a corner. You're right, he was sort of quite uh you know, quite deferential to Andrew Hawes of like, you know, trying to again invite that criticism onto himself. I don't think it's a coincidence that all of this seems to have collapsed around his ears when he's had the extension, and I dare say that other people's conversations and promises or can we have a discussion about new contract or things like that have been kicked down the can and that's not necessarily within Flynn's remit but he'll he'll make out that it is but that to my mind you know and this is purely this is purely speculative I'm not aware of anything but when you're getting the results like the older shot game and hearing all of those rumors swirling about well, all the players got paid on time and all things like that, that things aren't necessarily rosy in the garden. If you're the person who's been, you know, the well-looked-after one, we might have had these sorts of experiences in our own workplaces where, you know, if somebody's getting favourable treatment, uh, you know, they're going to get uh, a hostile treatment potentially from other employees who don't have that privilege for having favouritism. And um, I don't think it's a coincidence that once he's got the you know, the security there and everyone else is scrabbling around in the dark that if you're looking for a perfect storm to lose a dressing room uh, inadvertently, that that would be it. And it would be it would be so this Swindon because, yes, after the fact, I mean, it was like in an awful relationship with Morris who was kept in the dark for five months and then unceremoniously let go. Uh, but I don't think anybody expected, I certainly didn't expect that Morris would get the chop at the end of the season i thought they were just before the end of the season yeah, yeah before that <laughs> i thought that they would uh they would give him a window at least to see how that would go down it would be so swindon to look down at the you know our vanorama vintage to look at how 
Paul Caddis or someone like that is doing and give Flynn, who's, you know, who's taken all the flack for the ownership over the time and been so loyal to say, off you pop, off you go. And then in that position, it'd be hard to understand that if the if there's no resolution or no one came in for him, I mean, who would come in for him now that, you know, he could find himself unemployable from this uh, tenure. We, we, this is a monster pod, so um, apologies, everyone. Um, I, I've just noticed that the Mike Flynn era, the Michael Flynn era is now at the same amount of games as the Phil Brown era, both on 32 games. Phil Brown won 10, drawn 11, lost 11. Michael Flynn played, th- you know, managed 32, won 9, drawn 9, and lost 14. So we are in a worse situation than the Phil Brown era. So what now? So in terms of the squad, like I said, I'm still pacing myself until until January. And that's in terms of the playing side of things. But in terms of the way we are we are managed as a football club, when does the inverted commas revolution begin? Because we're down 1,339 town fans from the Forest Green Rovers game. We're down 3,583 from the Wrexham game. <laughs> Which I'm not gonna I'm not gonna dwell on too much because you know some of those will be Disney pluses. I'm not convinced a win would have been enough to keep people from the reaction at full time. So that more means more people saying I'm not spending 27 quid on this. We are very close again to sub 7,000 crowds, and that'll be for the first time in the Morfuni era. We flirted with it briefly under Jody Morris. Jail, we're hemorrhaging fans, we're hemorrhaging leadership, professionalism, ideas, excuses, and the losses are now magnifying this. It's not about, oh, you're just upset because we're losing on the pitch, or we're not winning on the pitch, or we're drawing on the pitch against teams that are struggling. It's spewing across, it is just manifesting across the football club. How we are governed, how we are managed, filters down to the playing environment. Not, Not maybe their personalities, but who we can bring in and what we can do to make ourselves something better than a mid-table struggling League Two club. Until there's a drastic change within the corridors and offices of the county grounds, I've dismissed it a lot. I've laughed at Terry many times over the last year or so. But right now, Vanarama by 2025 doesn't feel like a flappy, pessimistic, hyperbolic statement. No. The way I see it, we've got 23 days, because in 23 days, unless something drastic changes, um, the people who you know live in the radius of Swindon, who are fortunate enough to attend their free forum event, where you get 10 minutes from each of the eight invited guests, will hear, you know, we hear you, we've listened, we're sorry, uh, we'll do things differently, um, we'll change please buy your season ticket again and come because next year we're going to go for it and it will just repeat the damage that could be done in the next 23 days. I've often thought this, no one has had more goodwill. Nobody has had more goodwill than Morfuni and the Morfuni era. They're almost, you know, people use the old cliche of being victims of their own success. Morfuni is a victim of that first year of cracking the playoffs of having, the two bends and thinking, well, this is easy. 
League Two is easy. It's it's not it's not like watching the Champions League or the World Cup or the big events where he likes to you know hobnob in the in the hospitality. This is this is piddly stuff. This is basically park football with some fancy stands because they just love football in Britain. It's easy, and you know we as long as we. It almost feels a bit like and this might sound cynical. I don't think this is necessarily a a bad idea. I think a lot of clubs in League One and League Two do this. Um, but you have to be clever to do it. Is that if you seem to try, so if you're in and around that playoff picture every year, like Bradford are, I'm not saying Bradford do do it or Mansfield do, I'm not saying that they do it, but if you're somebody who looks to go up each year and if you just fall a bit short, people will still back you. And it felt like since getting that playoff push that there's been the idea that if we can do just enough to be in the conversation, then we'll be there. We saw last year we're having you know, a different strategy of picking up academy prospects earlier. That always seemed a bit like lifting um, a bit from the Lee Power playbook when he had his lovely relationship with Tactics Tim of getting the likes of Clayton and the uh, Vinier and people like that in people who beat assets, but you know it's not grown and not done things. And this year has always just been to tighten the purse strings and get the absolute bare minimum, and it's been it's been ravaged. And people are going to you know lose patience. It's unbelievable to get the support that we get, and yeah, I think people are taken for granted. Season tickets uh, holders, in particular, taken for granted not had any row back from taking issue with the nine games that you get free, not had any row back of saying that, you know, these sponsorship arrangements suit people massively. I bet that Nationwide put more into naming that stand than Hoth Kitchens do for getting a kit supplier. And when people like Hay Fordian are going bust in Oxfordshire, you're not telling me that Barnes coaches have got money to splash on a big shirt sponsorship sleeve deal or anything like that. These just sound like favors don't feel like there's any real tangible money coming in there so it's all very well slanging off long-term sponsors that you have now but who is who's coming in there i'm seeing twitter accounts of people who work for sponsors just as disappointed and frustrated as everybody else they think well who the hell are they getting in to actually fund these things there's nothing to buy uh, in the shop, there was nothing to buy over Christmas. So all of your uh, friends and family who thought to, you know, get you a mug in Secret Santa have been found wanting. <laughs> We've got 23 days until post this one. It can't wait to the forum and say, watch and see what we do on deadline day. People are going to have to start asking questions now, and we haven't really got time for a new a new trust to be assembled. This is a crucial. 23 days. That's what I'm saying. If if things don't shape up quickly, we're in real trouble. But we'll see what the week brings. We'll see if those three or four names come through the door. I'm hoping that it's going to be a quiet week for everything else. Until then, JR, thank you very much. Thank you. The Low Strangers is an independent supporters podcast. The views given do not reflect those of Swindertown Football Club or their official partners. The music is provided by the great Matthew Kilford and the podcast logo was created by the most splendid Matt in Singapore. Thanks for listening. Come on you Reds! Come on Swindon!
Hi, Ellis Pod fans, it's JR here. If Swindon players were McDonald's items, who would they be? We've had lots of Big Macs, like the legendary Alan McLaughlin, Harry McCurdy, or even Steve McMahon. Perhaps you'd prefer to channel the power of McPlant, like Darren Ward, or maybe five chicken selects, one to enjoy for each time Ben Gladwin joined. Yep, there's one spare, but there's still time. And you don't need super scouts or data solutions to get your hands on any of these. McDelivery through the McDonald's app brings them all to you. At participating restaurants, 18 plus. Serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable. Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver-assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely, and control vehicle at all times.